1: Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast, a podcast devoted to adding value to your career or candidate search, brought to you by VIP. I'm your host, Casey Hayston. I'm an executive recruiter, director of recruiting with VIP, and your all-around hiring guru. And adding to my credentials this week, I'm super excited to announce that I have stepped into the role as CEO of Success North Dallas. But we're not here to talk about me. We're here for, to introduce you to some of these fabulous thought leaders that I get to meet on a regular basis. So today, I'm so excited to welcome on the show, Tammy Guler Loeb, executive and career coach, author, speaker, and also a podcast host. Tammy is the author of Work From the Inside Out, Breakthrough Nine Common Obstacles, and Design a Career That Fulfills You. She provides individual coaching, training, speaking programs, and team facilitation in a wide variety of industries and professions. Tammy brings determination and focus to her work with clients who aim to develop a greater satisfaction in their careers and work relationships. This is what we're all about. So thanks for joining us today, Tammy.
0: Well, thank you for having me and congratulations on your new role.
1: Oh yeah, surprise. I don't think we talked about that.
0: No, no, it's that's exciting.
1: Yeah, it just happened. And I'm, I'm, you know, it's a 34 year old networking organization that has been run by the same man all those years. He's missed three meetings the entire time in 34 years. And um, it's time for him to retire. And he asked me to step up and take over. I
0: love
1: it. I know. It's so exciting. But, you know, I mean, but it's kind of what makes the world go round. If you think about
0: it, it's who you know, right? Oh, it's it's all about who you know. And and those relationships, right? The, the, the trust and the rapport, and it's also reciprocal too.
1: Yeah, and just to your point on that, you know, it's people are like, oh, you're so lucky, he chose you. And I'm like, I have put in the time and the effort for the last five years, volunteering and working my way up and learning the organization from the inside out. Did you see what I did there?
0: I saw that, I heard that. <laughs> Very
1: good. Yeah. So, and I just happen to have your book here with me, Work From the Inside Out, just in case anybody's wondering. So, (laughs) so Tammy, tell me a little bit about your, oh, wait, before you do that, I want to talk about how we got connected. Do you remember? No. (laughs) Now, see, that's so interesting, but it has been a while since we first chatted, but here's what I love. People that are willing to give their time to share their knowledge on podcast are usually also willing to give their time to make other connections. And so, one of my podcast guests was Mark Hirschberg.
0: Oh, yes, 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 yes. Now and I know. Yeah. the
1: last thing he asked me as we finished wrapped up the interview, not on camera but off camera, he's like, Who do, "Who's your ideal guest?" And when I mm-hmm. told him, he sent me a list of names. Actually, he only sent me three, and you were one of them.
0: Oh. Well, I will be sure to thank him. And yes, he's great at that. And he's, he's, as he's a real giver, you know, I mean, talk about give and take. He's a real giver, you
1: know, and I, another great point you brought up, not even something I wanted to talk about today on the show, but, you know, being a giver and giving Mm -hmm. that value first. And we've mm-hmm. talked about it so many times on the show, but I think that is so incredibly important because you cannot go into a networking organization and say, what are you going to give to me mm-hmm. first? Mm-hmm. It's what Absolutely. can I give
0: you? Right. I I actually tell people, I know this isn't exactly where you want it to go right now, but I actually think this is vitally important. And it's something that people don't think about right away. And that is that when you enter into any kind of a, a networking conversation whatever you want to call it informational interview just professional conversation the best thing you can do is ask the other person about themselves learn about them and and there, that is there's is an element of giving in that where even though you might have been reaching out to them for something that you're hoping they might be able to do for you the best thing you can do is try to learn something about them because that will help you and um mark is great at that and i i even tell people who are fairly new in their careers always make sure you wrap up a conversation with somebody by saying how can i help you and a Mm -hmm. lot of people will say to me well how can i help them i'm the one who's looking for something i say there's always a way that you can help someone else and it's not up to you to decide how you'll help them all you have to do is offer to help and if they need help, they'll let you know. That is so true. And sometimes mm-hmm. you may think you know what they need help
1: with and it'll be something completely different.
0: Right. And, and sometimes you just don't even know. You actually can be more helpful than you realize. And it, it leaves everybody feeling good. And the fact that you offered, they'll remember you more for that. You stand out more mm-hmm. for having been that way with them. But you have to be sincere about it, of course. You know, but you don't have to come up with all the ideas,
1: you know, and I'm so glad that you added that because I was thinking in my head, I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to add uh, to that because <laughs> ask wh- how you can help them. But when they tell you, follow through if you can. Yeah.
0: yeah so when absolutely. you said be you have sincere. To, yeah. yeah.
1: For sure. Oh,
0: oh, yeah. If you, if you offer to do something for someone, don't, yeah, you've got to do it follow through. And, you know, whatever that is, if for some reason it doesn't work out, just be honest. Um, people appreciate that. The fact that you tried, that's that's all that counts.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Follow up is so huge in my businesses. I'm sure it is in yours too, as a coach. So Absolutely. L- let's
0: dig into that, Tammy. Tell me
1: about yeah. you and all that you do.
0: Yeah, so um, I've been coaching people around their careers and leadership and executives for well over 20 years, uh, probably since coaching was born. I think it was in its infancy when I started. And um, I have always been interested in people and what makes them tick, but, but also what they do for their work, because it's something that I've always focused on for myself. I've always wanted to make sure that I was doing something that I cared about that, you know, made me feel excited about the day and made me feel motivated. Um, And so when I started to um, look into the career of coaching, I realized I really wanted to go into something that had to do with people's careers as opposed to what was very popular back then was what was called life coaching. And I I didn't want to do something that started to feel, you know, more, more on the personal side as much as more the professional side. So I've been doing that and I've built other things around it over the years, because the the skills and the tools that you use as a coach, you can also use with groups of people as well. So working with teams or working with other groups of people, Um, and then Building up around that, all the different industries that I've worked with, people in different types of functional roles, I've built up uh, really quite a bit of, of knowledge about different things within organizations. I, I also have an MBA and studied a lot of organizational behavior, so I built in some training and um, found ways to educate people. So. It's just, everything's sort of evolved over time. And the main thing that I'm trying to do is help people find satisfaction and fulfillment at work, whatever I do. I think I remember
1: reading a little bit about your description where you were talking about, and this is something I'm so passionate about, is people being misaligned in their careers. And Mm -hmm. I think I read a statistic that said that probably about... I, and correct me, you probably know this better than me, mm-hmm. like 60 to 70% of people are misaligned in their careers, meaning they did not well, choose a career that they're wired to do.
0: Well, I think, I think the statistic you're pointing to is more around people feeling disengaged at work. So it, it could be that they're misaligned in their career. It could also be that they're fine with the career they chose, but they may not be in the right organizational culture or the right company, the right setting. So for example, um, we, we hear a lot about like lawyers who stop practicing law and make a lot of changes. Right. Um, so I've, I've worked with a lot of lawyers. I've worked with, I've worked with a lot of people in different things, but I've found that for example, There are lawyers who really aren't happy working in a large law firm where there's a huge emphasis, for example, on all the billable hours and that kind of pressure. But you take that same lawyer who might love law, might love practicing law, and they might be very happy in a very small boutique firm where there's less emphasis on things like billable hours and and that kind of pressure there may there may still be some of that but not in the same way that there is in a much larger firm so i've found that when people really take a good look in the mirror and they start to to look at what they've been doing and where they've been doing it it's often the setting in which they're doing it and the 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 career that they chose might not they might not be off the mark there some people though You know for example when i talk about work from the inside out some people did follow a career pathway that really came from the outside going in so for example how many of us grew up with very well-intentioned adults you know whether it was parents grandparents teachers who said hey you know you're really good at this or that you should become a thus and such and so you grew up and you became that thing that that whatever the profession was. And then you worked hard at it and you said, well, that's, that's what I'm supposed to do. But then you reach a point where you realize, I don't really like this. I'm good at it, but I don't really like it. So there you go. Right. And so, you know, do you have the, you know, the courage or the, the wherewithal to then say, I'm going to step away from this and do something else, or I'm at least going to myself through the process of trying to figure out what it is I do want to do, but some people get really stuck because they get accustomed to a certain lifestyle and they say, well, I've put all these years into this. How can I step away from it? I've, I've invested all these years. I, I disagree. I say, yes, you can. That's what I write about in the book. You know, there are lots of people who've invested, you know, multiple years in a career, but if you're unhappy, I think you owe it to yourself to take a look in some other directions. It doesn't mean that you have to start all over. I think that's what a lot of people assume, that they have to start all over. I don't think that's true.
1: Well, you know, and I've told the story probably a hundred times on this podcast. You know, I'm a prime example of someone that's doing exactly what you're talking about. Because, you know, I went into the, you know, accounting because you're good at math. This is what you should do, you know, and... And and it just happened that it it was the easy path for me to mm-hmm. go into accounting. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and I did it and I did it and I did it. And I was just like, I had to go look for another job, you know? And I was just like, I just can't. I just don't want to do this anymore. Now, mm-hmm. it's not like I totally don't use my knowledge from those days because mm-hmm. I do recruit for accounting and finding finance professionals today. So that comes in very handy to be able to speak that language but I don't have to do the spreadsheets and I'm really happy about that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I think, see, I think you're an excellent example of that and, and you know, some people find themselves, you know, getting there and saying, I, I'm miserable, but I've got, you know, children to take care of or, you know, I was I've got in- all these other things, <clears throat> you know, and so they they find themselves feeling a little bit, a little trapped, so.
1: Well, and there's also that, and I, and I felt that same way too. I had kids I, when I chose to, you know, change my career. I had, you mm-hmm. know, and I had, I mean, I was a CFO, you know, when I chose to change my career. So that's, that's, I'm not that's saying that that's deal. a big, big deal, but going from it is a,
0: big deal. A, a, a salary to a commission can be a really big deal, right? Absolutely. And, but you can you can make that kind of a change with your eyes wide open you also don't do it alone you do it with other people in your life hopefully who are supportive of your decisions and you do it with a plan in place you don't just wake up one day and say i'm going to walk out on my job and who cares if i drain my bank account and who cares if my children don't go to college because i can't pay the tuition or you know it i think that when people make decisions to make a change and i i write about this in my book i have tons of stories of people who who made all kinds of changes they didn't do it overnight they did it over a period of time and they they put a plan together and they worked their way into it and they oftentimes needed more information to find their way into those changes so it wasn't just oh, I think I'll just make a change. And I just, you know, it's like, it's like people don't go from A to Z. There's all these letters in between, right? Exactly. Exactly. So I want to get into you being
1: a core guide executive coach at CHIEF. Mm -hmm. So we're going to dig into that a little bit more. And so there, your goal is to facilitate peer groups of executive women um, on their leadership journeys. So Mm -hmm. Is in, and I think you've been doing this for a while, but I, I'm curious, what type of growth have you seen in the individuals you coach?
0: Well, so um, the kind of growth, so so with Chief is is you know somewhat distinct from some of the other people I coach. Um, Chief, the the people who I work with at Chief are VP level and above, and um, and they have you know made a very intentional choice to be a part of these uh peer groups that are very carefully curated and then i'm i'm facilitating those groups so the kinds of growth that i see there are um you know the it's chief is a is a organization that is designed for executive women who oftentimes are the only executive woman in their role in their organization. Not that that's the way it's designed entirely because some of them may come from organizations that have you know, several women at that level. Um, the group that, that I most recently have been working with, most of these women are the only woman who works at the level they work at. So it's hmm. it's kind of a combination of being a woman working at a certain level being the only woman, and also being kind of lonely at the top kind of situation. So it gives them a chance to connect with their peers and connect with other people who are going through some of the same things that they're going through. And I think where the growth happens is just having a chance to, to, to have a voice in ways that you don't always feel that you do day to day, even though you're in a position of positional power or, or a position to have some influence it gives you a chance to talk things through in a way that you may not in the workplace. I see the same thing with a lot of my coaching clients. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's like you, they get to practice with me about all the different scenarios and things that they're trying to process through and trying to move beyond whatever barriers are getting in the way, whether it's their own self-imposed barriers Mm -hmm. or, you know, very real barriers. And when I say self-imposed as if they're not real, they are real. But oftentimes the barriers that we impose on ourselves are usually based on something that we're afraid of or that we've told ourselves something's a certain way. And when you really take a look at it, it's just something we've told ourselves is a certain way. It's a story we've made up. We all do this to ourselves. Yes, we do. Right? So, So, you know, it, that where the growth happens is when you start to build, you know, kind of, it's like building muscles. You want to build muscles that help you to reframe certain thoughts in your head so that you can move beyond these habits that we have formed, that we keep telling ourselves something's not possible or something's always going to be a certain way, or we make certain assumptions or we create expectations about things and then we get disappointed. It's, it's really about our mindsets. And how we get attached to certain ideas and thoughts, and then it gets harder to move beyond those things. Um, and we don't—they're so subtle we don't even notice them sometimes. So I think where the real growth happens with with coaching. I mean, yes, there's concrete actions that people take to really move beyond to to grow. You know, we we talk about things like how are you going to negotiate a raise or how are you going to have this conversation with your boss about, um, you know, not micromanaging you anymore or, you know, getting, getting beyond some of those kinds of things. Um, but I think that oftentimes the thing that's usually in the way first is ourselves. And we need to see that. We need to be able to notice that. You know, I love that I don't care
1: what topic we're talking about on this podcast. Somehow it always comes back to mindset. And if that doesn't tell you how important it is to get your mindset right, I, I don't know what else will, because really yeah. it all stems from having that appropriate mindset. And it's so funny, just a quick story. Um, yeah. I, even at this stage, I, I feel like I'm very self-aware. I'm very awake when it comes to recognizing those scripts and recognizing those narratives, the false narratives and all that kind of stuff. But even this morning, I... Sent a text to one of my coworkers. Actually, I sent a text last night, and it was a tough text to have to send because I'd let this person down on an issue, right? And oh. I had to own, take full ownership of that. And I was like, my last sentence was, "Can we chat tomorrow?" You know. So I'm not perfect. I I'm, I will sit here before you today and be completely transparent. I make mistakes. But he didn't respond to me.
0: Oh, that's tough.
1: <laughs> yeah. And so I'm making up all these stories in my head on the way to the office about, well, and and at one point, I kid you not, Tammy, I was like, I'm just done with him. We have not had a single conversation and I'm already done. (laughs) And I'm sitting there and I kind of took a step back and took a breath before I walked into the office and I'm like, you know better than this. And I kid you not, I walked into the office this morning And I walked straight over to his desk, and I was so nervous because I'd built up all these false narratives, right? And I walked over, and I was like, did you see my text? And he's like, man, I was dropping off to sleep when I saw it last night, and I didn't go back and look at it. (laughs) Seriously? That was a lot of time I did not need to spend worrying.
0: Yeah, and I think we do that to ourselves. I love that. That's such a great example of no matter how many years of experience we have, right? Yes. And how senior we've gotten in our organization and how much, you know, workshopping we've done and degrees we have, there's a way in which we can do a number on ourselves and and talk ourselves in or out of something and and all of a sudden we become mind readers and we decide we know what somebody else is thinking and then we start behaving as if that's true right and it's and and we do it over and over again it I really have to, and i it's so much easier to tell somebody else these things than to believe it myself of course but it it does take a little practice to kind of back yourself off of that kind of thinking Mm -hmm. and if you're a little tired you didn't get enough sleep or you know whatever it is it just sometimes though you fall prey to those things you know a little more easily than at other times um but it's something that we all do it and the the key is to simply notice it when it happens you know take a breath take a pause and tell yourself is that really true You know, I absolutely know that's true. That that is beautiful. Yeah.
1: Take a breath and ask yourself, is that really true? Do I know that for a fact? Yes. Right. Do I know that's what he's saying behind my back or am I just filling in the blanks? Right. And usually you're filling in the blanks. Exactly. And you're just borrowing trouble. So I'm so glad we went here with that because I think that (laughs) that mind chatter that people get going Mm -hmm. on and they start really believing what they're making up. That's what causes you know, us so much heartache, probably 99% well, of the time. And it makes us
0: ineffective too. Yeah. You know, we, we end up, we waste time, we waste energy, and it, it doesn't allow us to be our best selves. Um, and it's so easy for me as a coach to say that, even though I'm also a human being and right. I still do those things. Right? <laughs> so, Um, so quick
1: question for you. So what are some of the first steps you take with a new coaching client? What, how do you get them started?
0: Uh, well, the first thing I do is, um, I give them a questionnaire and the questionnaire asks them all kinds of, um, questions about, you know, why, why are they, why do they want, I usually know, already know why they're coming to coaching, of course, but it asks them questions about things like what do they think would work best for them what else do i need to know things like that so we usually go over the questionnaire and from there we start to plan out some next steps usually one of the first steps that we get into has to do with what information do we not have right now that we need in order to move forward because more often than not people are so ready By the time they come to me, they're so ready to get into action and solve the problem, whatever it is. And what I often end up needing to do with them is to have them slow down just enough so that they can get more information because oftentimes they don't have all the information they need in order to really define and, and articulate what it is that they're going towards so for example if somebody's considering a career change or just a job change they 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 want to just change their resume but they don't know what they're looking for yet so how are they going to figure out what they're looking for they need more information they need to talk to more people they need to further clarify and define what it is they're looking for so they can then design a baseline resume that will reflect the kinds of things that they want to be seen for. So, you know, it's people sometimes, you know, want to put out the fire before the match has been lit, you know, it's it's
1: I've raised my hand a bunch today. It's like, you know, (laughs) me.
0: (laughs) Well, it's I think it's human nature, you know, we try to fix things and people often oversimplify the -hmm. process especially when they're trying to find you know something that's going to be far more meaningful and fulfilling for them than what they've been doing and i say this to people all the time i say look if all you want is another job you don't need me Mm. if you're looking to find a life that's going to really fulfill you that's what we're going to work on we're going to work on making you a life and because people spend more time at work than they do just about anything else in their lives. And that's mm-hmm. why I call it a life because we do. We spend more time at work than we do sleeping, than we do with our families, than we do just about anything else. Yep. And I'm not talking about the workaholic who spends 80 hours a week at work. Even if you do the math, 40 hours a week, 50 hours a week, the average, you know, white collar professional out there doing their work, that's a lot of waking hours they are spending at work. Wouldn't you want those hours to be fulfilling and satisfying?
1: I I know I do, (laughs) I agree
0: 100%. So,
1: and I think you and I are on a very similar mission because I did not realize that I was just going to a job for so many years until I found the job I loved and now yeah. I, I don't work a day in my life because I love what I do.
0: Exactly.
1: And so I think that it's so important that, you know, you you find out where you're aligned, find out how you're wired, find out what's going to make you happy from the inside out. See there? I did it again. And so, I, like I said, there I feel did. like we're on a very similar mission because yeah. it's... And I was just thinking about this as you were saying it, you, you know, even if you take a typical average week, 40 hours Mm -hmm. a a week, right? Mm -hmm. And then you look at the time that you, in that same week, let's look at a work week. I mean, I don't know about y'all, but I'm a pumpkin. I'm in bed by like 9.30 or 10 at the (laughs) latest. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. sometimes earlier. So really that's only by the time I get home, that's only about, if I stay up till 10, that's about four hours at home. Right. You know, right. I don't count getting ready in the morning. So, I mean, that's really, that's twice as much time spent in the office as spent at home. Right. right. So, yeah. and it's even no wonder even we call them weekends, work families. Too.
0: Right. You know, or you have a, a work spouse or whatever. I mean, that's why people who often leave a job, they leave, they're not leaving the job. They're usually leaving the boss or the work culture. Yep. Because they're ju- it's not aligned with who they are, or it's not aligned with their values. So, you know, I mean, we're in a very interesting time right now, of course, with people, more people going back to the office now, whether they want to or not. Mm-hmm. But it's so, but I think people are stopping and thinking more carefully about what they want in, in their work environment, more so than ever before. So I think, I think we are seeing some shifts in that direction.
1: Oh, absolutely. So tell me about your book, Work From the Inside Out. Or no, I, sorry, we've already talked about the book. I want to talk about your podcast. Tell me, because sure. I think I saw that you just uh, recorded your 200th episode. Yes. Congratulations. It, came out, it, actually, it
0: actually came out today, to that, episode 200. I'm just going to
1: clap for you. That's amazing. I know how much hard work goes yeah. into that. I really do. So yeah.
0: Congratulations on that. Thank you, thank you. It's, oh, it's so much fun. I just, I love talking to people about their lives and their work and how they found their way from, mm-hmm. you know, their earliest years till what they're doing today. And it's so interesting and exciting to talk to people. I love it. And I love, you know, I love unfolding their stories and, um, you know kind of unpacking it and people have all kinds of different stories of how they got from point a to point b to point c so it's 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 fascinating and and you know the the overall point of the podcast is really to help other people to see what's possible you know that these are real people i'm interviewing i mean some of them have have had you know, some, I would say, unusual kinds of success. You know, for example, I interviewed one of the original members of the Jamaican bobsled team for the Olympics. Wow. Um,
1: (laughs) I bet that was um, cool.
0: Oh, it was very cool. He's a delightful guy. Um, You know, I've interviewed, uh, I recently interviewed a a local journalist here in the the Boston area who was the only um, local journalist who got um, an interview in the White House with Barack Obama when he was president. Um, and and I don't know, there's other other amazing another another really fun interview, which is actually also in my book was um, a gentleman who started his career as a Methodist minister and then decided that he really wanted to do something uh, even more, Um, impactful. So he decided to join the FBI and he went through all the training and became a hostage negotiator and was also, um, you know, talking fugitives off the streets and getting them to surrender and all kinds of things like that. So he became an FBI agent. Yeah. After being a minister.
1: Wow. Very cool. Usually you see it maybe the other way around. It's like they have a coming to Jesus moment and they're like, I need to preach the gospel, funny? man.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, he, he did it. He did it the other way. Yeah. That's interesting.
1: <laughs> you know, one other thing that I noticed that you talk about, and, and again, I'll have a little short story for this, but you talk about the importance of eye contact. Mm-hmm. So tell mm-hmm. me more about that and how strong eye contact can, you know, impact the way you're perceived, whether it's strong or too strong.
0: Well, actually, so uh, there's a communication course that I teach where I delineate how eye contact is very important in our culture here in the U.S. We feel very strongly about eye contact, that it needs to be direct and uh, not that you're staring at someone, but Mm -hmm. that you, you engage people with a lot of eye contact. And what I've, what I've said about it is that it's misunderstood sometimes in other cultures because, and we, we work in a, in a, you know, such a multicultural global environment these days that sometimes we misunderstand when somebody isn't using eye contact. We, we assume that they don't care or that they're not listening when in fact they may be very present. And there are people who are uh, extremely introverted, who don't do eye contact. Um, and it doesn't mean that they're not present and that they don't care. It just means they just are wired differently. And so uh, when I teach this class, I say to people, don't, again, don't make up stories about what's going on with someone else when they aren't looking right at you. I remember having one of my earlier clients came to meet with me in person and he kept, he kept looking down and talking at the table and looking to the side as he was talking to me. And, and I thought, what's going on with this guy? And I realized he was a super introvert. Mm. He just, that just was his habit. Now, there are times where I have to really work with somebody and say, we need to work on this because it will be misinterpreted. Yep. And you need you need to know. So I learned a trick actually from one of my podcast guests. Tell me. Who's a communication expert. And she said that if you're if you're uncomfortable with eye contact, what you do is you don't look someone in the eye. You look at the bridge of their nose when you huh. talk to them. And you focus on that. And it looks like you're looking at them, but you're really not. I thought that was really cool. What a great, you know, what a great way to compensate if it's just doesn't come naturally to you to look at the bridge of somebody's nose. So you're looking in the right direction. You're not going to offend anybody. And you can still be because you know, like, for example, introverts are excellent listeners. They're excellent listeners. And so you don't want those kinds of things to get misinterpreted. But it really does come under that category of, what kinds of things do we assume about other people, right? Or now we we have these big conversations now, or at least I'm having some of them, about neurodiversity in the workplace. Well, we've got all kinds of folks out there making amazing contributions in the workplace, folks who are on the autism spectrum. Well, for for many of those folks, eye contact, is definitely off off the table, and yet, they could be making extraordinary contributions to, you know, a company. Um, but in many of those cases, those folks are are identified, and there are people working with them, and everybody understands and knows what's going on with that. So I think we're talking about, oftentimes, situations where you you are taken aback by mm-hmm. that. So that's what I meant by eye contact. That was a very long answer to a short question. (laughs) No, it's it's really not because there
1: are different kinds of eye contact. And my funny story is Mm -hmm. I used to work with a guy that he would, I guess somebody had told him at one point that you're supposed to have this aggressive direct eye contact, but it really came across as staring. Yeah. And there was one time in a meeting I was like, are you going to blink? Because it was oh. just so uncomfortable because it was just so – like there was nothing on – he was yeah. locked on. It, it was just wow. – it was very uncomfortable. So I think there is a there, – there's a fine line there between looking somebody in the eye and completely avoiding them or right. over-staring. And over-staring right. is not cool. Not cool. Right. Right, right. All right. I just realized
0: I'm here here an hour difference from you, and I'm realizing there's no lights on in here. Oh, no. (laughs) I I just realized I'm I'm sitting in the dark. And I'm just talking (laughs) away.
1: So we need to move on to our VIP questions. Are you ready for those?
0: Yes, I am.
1: Okay. (laughs) So if you were chosen to be one of the first colonists on Mars, what three things or people would you take with you?
0: I thought about that there are three people I would take with me. Okay. And I hope I wouldn't regret not bringing any things, but, uh, I would bring my daughter, who's one of my absolute favorite people in the world. And she keeps me grounded. My husband who also is just, just a terrific human being and just, between him and my daughter and I, which we're just, were just a nice combination, and my friend Peggy, who always is one of the most compassionate people, but also uh, is like a member of the family and all, always can make me laugh. So I've got the emotional grounding and the humor, plenty of intelligence, and between the, the four of us, I feel like we could do anything. I love that. That's so good. You know, it's funny. In
1: all the years that I've asked that question, I've never had to answer it. So <laughs> oh. I maybe you need to give that some thought sometime because it's a difficult one because there's a lot of assumptions to be made when you answer that question, right? Because we left it very yeah, broad. You,
0: or sometime you should you should have somebody come on and interview you on this show. Maybe. I bet you i know a few people who could do that so i know i know some podcast
1: hosts who could yeah exactly (laughs) so so what's one thing you do each morning to set your day up for success
0: well Well, coffee coffee. important a good cup of coffee i mean a good cup of coffee Uh, i'm pretty picky about that and i think I like to start my day with, with my cup of coffee and a little time to just reflect and look forward. So uh, it's, not, it, it's really just kind of getting myself a little grounded. And in other words, I try not to have like my very first appointment be right away. Oh, I try same. to give myself a little cushion in the morning. It doesn't always happen that way. But for the most part, I do try to give myself at least, you know, like when I'm sort of starting my my work day. Uh, I like to sit there with my coffee and just let, sort of let like thoughts kind of run through me and think about what what I need to do, but also what's important, and and really sort of set up the day that way.
1: I love that you said that because I didn't think anybody else did this. I mean, I'm sure other people did, but, you know, and I've got, I use Calendly for scheduling. So people have pretty much Mm -hmm. ready access to my calendar, right? Yes. I have found that I don't want my first appointment of the day being as soon as I walk in. And so I refuse Mm -hmm. to give up that control. If I want to schedule it, then that's fine. But I don't allow other people to randomly schedule it. So the first half hour of every single day forever and ever and ever is blocked off
0: Mm
1: -hmm. on my calendar. I do the
0: same thing. And, and. I I don't work in an office, I work from home, but I do have, there are other places that have access to my calendar and can schedule people in. So I have been known to block off the first hour every morning. There you go, there you go. See?
1: So if your life's work was being summarized in a news article, what would the headline be?
0: So, Um, The headline would be, um, I I, I don't know that I memorized this exactly, but it's something like, um, I love my work and I want you to love yours too. What more can you say?
1: That's perfect. That kind of summarizes what you do, right? And Mm -hmm. so I just want to mention the name of the book again. It's uh, Work From the Inside Out, Break Through Nine Common Obstacles, and Design a Career That Fulfills You. This is also my life's mission. So like I said, you and I are so aligned on that. How
0: do people get in touch with you? Well, the best way to find me is probably through my website and I don't think there are any other Tammy Guler Lobes in the world. TammyGulerLobe.com. You can also try workfromtheinsideout.com. You'll find me that way. Um, But even if you mangle the spelling of my name, you'll still find me because there's nobody else by my name. (laughs)
1: That's amazing. Well, we will definitely put your information in our show notes to make sure that people are able to find you, able to get this amazing book so that you can find that right career. And um, for now, though, I just have one last thing to say to you, Tammy. You are a VIP.
0: Oh, thank you. (laughs) And that's a wrap for today. Join us next week here on the We Are VIP podcast. We'd love to know how we can help you be a VIP. To find out more, log on to wearevip.com.